What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Open Door Wrestling Podcast, your podcast gateway and entryway into the pro wrestling multiverse. I'm DJM. I am joined by my co-host in wrestling podcastery, the physician of nuance, the subtle doctor. What's going on, my friend? What is going on, DJM? I hope everything is uh, safe and well in the, the great north in Detroit. As uh, one of your tigers chases his three thousandth hit, ah, that that has happened. That three thousand and three thousand oh, one. Yes, it Excellent. was history. Beautiful, beautiful, and, really and it was a joy you. to watch on a perfect Saturday afternoon. Oh, gorgeous! gorgeous. Otherwise, I would say I am functioning within acceptable parameters, as certain androids might say. Uh, but we've got a lot to talk about. There's always plenty to talk about in the world of professional wrestling. And before we get in, I'd say, Doc, you you have a thing you want to start off with, as you often do? I do. And that is to say, listeners, listen if you can. Subscribe if we let you. And then and unsubscribe and then resubscribe and then unsubscribe and then resubscribe. Please. Pretty please. Do the thing. All right. Now, for new listeners of our podcast, The Open Door, we like to start with our stocks, where things in professional wrestling that we think are on the rise and might be on the downfall. And occasionally, we'll also have a future stock where we look ahead to see what might be on the upcoming. Uh, Doc, we'll start with you. What is your stock up right now? Well, so I could do the thing that we often do and cheat uh, and do two. But you know what? I'm not going to, because I think one of the things I want to talk about that's trending up, we will definitely get to on our outline. Uh, on our outline. My stock up is going to be, I think we talked about this man before, but talk about him again. That is the dirty daddy. Chris Dickinson mm. stock up for Chris Dickinson for many reasons. Um, he is back. He is healthy. Uh, Mania weekend saw him make a glorious return to the independent scene where he wrestled uh, uh, blood sport. He wrestled Minoru Suzuki and won the match. Suzuki did the job. I was very surprised uh, at that. And then, of course, he wrestled on New Japan Strong and uh, did fantastic there. Um, so at the GCW, uh, at the, the Bloodsport, he was actually booed uh, when he beat Minoru Suzuki because uh, the, the crowd loved to see their, uh, their, their murder grandpa run roughshod over everyone. But he actually oh, he had a, a match with my, he had a match with Mike Bailey that was just. Poor Mike Bailey was just <laughs> myrtleized, and everyone was loving it. So good. Uh, we love the Suzuki, you know, but sometimes he's got to do the job, and he did the job to Dickinson, and uh, the crowd turned on him, uh, but he cut a fantastic promo that won a few people over afterwards, which is basically just like, you know, if you, I, I'm back, this is, GCW is my house. Like, <laughs> I am the, the top dog here. You got to go through me uh, if you want to do anything. Uh, in a place with the letters GCW. It was really cool. Uh, it showed me that he's got a lot of confidence. He does not look, uh, he doesn't look too, like, 
um he he definitely looked very sweaty <laughs> like he's got to get his cardio back a little bit but for the most part he looked really good and he signed to new japan pro wrestling that's like the main reason i wanted to shout him out here is like he's been toiling away on strong for a while and he has been uh, clearly it really means a lot to him uh to do well in new japan and he he relishes this opportunity and it's one that a few years ago before Strong existed, I would never have ever imagined someone like him would get who's I me mean, who's wrestling intergender matches for like Black Label Pro or whatever. But like, man, he's taken the ball and run with it. And I mean, now that the borders are opening back up and we're starting to see the foreign talent go back and forth, the Japanese talent do more shows in America, expect Dickinson to show up in Japan and make some noise. Uh, I expect him to have uh, a ton of really cool, fresh first-time matches with uh, a ton of guys over there. Stick him in a tournament. Stick him in a G1. Uh, find him a cool partner. Put him in World Tag League. I mean, I, th- I think he is um, he's going to do some really cool things, and I'm very excited. Yeah, it seems like he's really been on the upswing for like the last two years. And his signing with New Japan is the culmination of that. He said in interviews many, many times that New Japan has been his goal. And now he gets the ultimate test. He's going there. And uh, clearly they see something in him if they were okay with Minoru Suzuki putting him over. So it's it's a good sign for him all around. So you gotta feel... Good for a guy who's really worked hard, who's grinded, and is now getting an opportunity on a big, big stage. You, you got to feel good about that. And I think it says something that they signed him when they did, because there's still a ton of guys working on Strong that have done a lot of matches, as many or, or more as Dickinson, that they haven't picked up in that way. I mean, Tom Waller, for instance, is their strong champion, and I don't think that he signed a deal with them. You know, they haven't signed um, like a bunch of guys from the team filthy stable. Now, I expect them to, or, or at the very least, I expect that those relationships to continue. But it's just uh, really cool to me that uh, the office was like, "We want to lock you up." Like we we do, like you said, David, see something in you uh, long term. So I thought that was great. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of people that the New Japan office sees something in long term, my stock up is Zack Sabre Jr. I have said for a long time that every time I see Zack Sabre Jr., I forget how much I enjoy him. And Doc, I'm doing something that I don't normally do. And then I'm compiling a list. I'm keeping a list of matches throughout the year. Yeah, so you're doing I, it. You're, so you I have never a do this. <laughs> Not a spreadsheet. Okay. Uh, I, I never you know. do this, but I'm doing this. And along with the tag match from Dynamite a few weeks ago, the championship match between Zack Sabre Jr. and Kazuchika Okada was added to my list. I watched that match and I kept saying, Zack Sabre is out wrestling Okada every step of the way. And he does that with everyone. So not only is my stock up on Zack Sabre Jr., 
I'm going to go ahead and say, or at least throw it out there, is Zack Sabre Jr. the best in the world right now? Is he? Oh, he he would not be my pick, but I'll tell you what. I mean, he's it's not crazy to put him in the discussion. He's he's up there for me in terms of wrestlers of the year this year. Absolutely. I I would put him ahead of some or sorry, I would put him just slightly behind someone who he beat in that New Japan Cup. Uh, And that is uh, Big Dumb Bill. Uh, Will Ospreay. Did you see there? Oh, that's going to piss him the off. Quarterfinals. <laughs> no. um, I would I would put Osprey just ahead of Zach. Did, did you see their match in the I think it was the quarterfinals of the cup? I did not. OK, so I was like of all the matches from the New Japan Cup and there's a ton of great ones in those last like uh, two or three rounds like Shingo. Uh, every match he wrestled, every match Zach wrestled. All really good. Uh, Big Dave, Papa Dave, gave uh, Osprey versus Zach in that tournament the full five for very good reason. I also gave it the full five. I definitely go out of your way um, to check that out. I, I think it would be any match, like if you haven't seen it, it may not make your, you, you may not like it as much as everyone else does or whatever, which is totally fair. But if you haven't seen it, you, you just got to see it to make your viewing experience for the year so far complete, in my opinion. So that was from the New Japan Cup semifinal? That was the quarterfinal? Quarterfinal. Or the semifinal. Yeah, one right. of the... I want to say it was the quarter because the semifinal, Zach beat Shingo. And okay. then he beat Naito in the final. Okay, um, got it. Yeah. All right, I will check that out because I've really been on a Zach Sabre Jr. kick lately. He's He's doing Amazing. it for me right now. And I think when we talk about Forbidden Door later in the show, uh, I think I have my match, and and I think it won't really surprise anybody. Uh, Now, Doc, we get into the stock down. Can I ask you a question before we do? Yeah. Um, About Zach. Uh, So I think I may may be – I may have the wrong impression, but I want to say you're not a huge grapple fuck guy. Is that correct? It comes and goes. I, okay. I like certain people that do it. Okay. What do you think uh, about CSJ sort of grabs you that like a lot of other people that are that are grapple fuckery guys like just don't kind of have? I think for me more than anything is that I, I can deal with that. But what I love more than anything is the British style. I love the British style. I love the Johnny Saint, Johnny Kid, World of Sport, British wrestling style. And Zack Sabre Jr. has taken that and added a whole dimension of viciousness to it. Where he everything he does looks like it is genuinely intent to hurt the hell out of you. And he, he takes that British style... And he's evolved it into his own thing that you wouldn't think would work with everybody, but he finds a way to work with everybody, and he does it really, really well. And I think that a lot of uber-technical grapple guys don't always have that. They kind of stay in their lane, and Hmm. Zach has shown the ability to 
wrestle just about anybody and have a good match with them. And that's that for me is where I'm like, is he is he like up there right now? Is is he number one right now? Because he has his style, but he can make his style work with anyone. Totally agree. I mean, I think you you let off with the statement that he's so the office is impressed and like Dickinson, you know, he's someone who's taken the ball and run with it because this cup run he was on uh, was that was supposed to be Ibushi. Uh, but Ibushi was not good to go. And so Zach was next man up and he was amazing. And that is, I've said this before on the pod and I'll say it again. I think more than any promotion out there, anyone in the world, New Japan uh, is best at next man up. Like they're so good at cultivating sort of like uh, almost hockey lines of stars. Like they got their first tier guys. And if any one of them goes down, someone can jump over the wall from the second line and like is prepared to step up and like function as that top line kind of guy. And it's so, it's so cool. There's, there's three things for me about Zach's style that, that I love and makes him eminently watchable. One is he doesn't do a bunch of bullshit on the outside. Like he, if you will notice, if you haven't noticed before, hardly ever does he do the like, you know, the Naito or Okada, like, and I love those guys, but like they have these spots. Kento Miyahara is the absolute dead worst about this. Or every single match, you got to roll to the floor. You got to whip people to the guardrail. You got to mm. pull them around the post. Like all this perfunctory stuff that's like Zach hardly ever does this. Um, two is he never, like, I think Billy Robinson was all about this. Like he never has someone in the same hold for longer than like, I don't know, six seconds. It, and it goes like, it's some sort of like credo that if someone hasn't tapped uh, by like six seconds, they're not going to. So you need to put them in a different hold. And three, and so well, that makes things more exciting because he's always doing something different, always moving. And three is he's evolved his style over the years. Like he keeps adding and modifying and tweaking holds like 2018 Zack Sabre Jr. matches are broadly speaking the same thing, but if you get down into the nitty gritty, like if you watch them and then you watch the stuff, you know, that four years later this year, like you'll see he's like changed some stuff, added new moves, pulled things out, tweaked some. So it, it's he's just always very fresh. Do you think Zach has some crossover appeal? Do you think he's a guy that could really break out with Western audiences? I guess it depends on if you see shitty heels as, as people with breakout potential. Cause I think Zach in his heart of hearts is a heel. Uh, I think he's great at it. He makes me laugh constantly. Like any interviews he does, I think are amazing. Sure. But if you, if you think that people like that can't break out, then maybe not. But, but I think it's worth a try. I mean, I think he's a great talker, has a lot of personality and charisma, and should be given a chance uh, to do that. All right. Now we can jump into our stock down. Uh, Doc, uh, who do you see in wrestling right now that has you looking downwards? Um. I, okay. I want to say this. <laughs> I love this. I love it. I want to say this. <laughs> How... <laughs> How's my sky blue pick looking after 
after that Marina Shafir match. <laughs> Are people still mad at me about that? I, I think, um, not to say anyone's career should be defined by their worst match or whatever, but it's just she's not ready for, for television. But um, my, my next stock down is... Let's see. So... Once again, I'm going to choose a woman. Oof. <laughs> Just, I'm, I'm asking for the smoke here. But yeah, not you because, are. this is not because, so the stock reports, there's some nuance to it, right? This is not just people we hate. But this is, because I put Tomohiro Ishii on stock down, and I love Tomohiro Ishii, right? But like, My stock down's really going to blow your mind. Okay, I'm ready. I'm, I'm ready. Um. I'm putting this person on Stockdown not because she, uh, not because I think she's bad. I think she's great, but because uh, for whatever reason, her employer has like the opportunities for her to work. It feels like have really dried up, um, and that's Ruby Soho. Yeah, yeah, and that makes sense. You know, with the Owen Hart Foundation tournament. It seems like she's going to get some run, um, which is cool. I'm very glad. I'm I'm super happy to see her on TV and working. I mean, she's not my favorite wrestler or anything, but she's really great. She has a ton of uh, of appeal, of personality, a lot of fans. They brought her in with so much fanfare, and after the first few, like I, this is why I'm always skittish to. I think for companies to bring people in and put them in a feud immediately for the top title. Because if the new people lose, like, it just, I don't know, for me, it just, where do you go? It's its always really kind of hard to navigate after that. She fell like she, a rock. She did. I mean, and she was in the TBS tournament till the end. And then they did nothing with her. And I'm worried about that with the Owen, where if she doesn't win, you know, then she'll just kind of, I don't know, work a GCW show or two, intergender, and like, well, I mean, what will she be doing? I, I'd love to see her in some kind of meaningful storyline. Um, and you know, they have a, a bunch of them going right now in AEW. So, you know, they're very capable, but it just was really odd to me because, um, she seemed like, I don't know, she was poised for such great things when she debuted it all out. Uh, and people really were like, oh my God, yes. Like she's jumped and she's free and she could be herself now. And, um, yeah, just I'm not really on it. Uh, meaningful AEW TV much at all in in the last few months, and uh, it's very perplexing. I was thinking she was injured, but she wasn't. It's very strange to me. Um, you might think what you said is controversial, but I'm gonna go even further. I've seen most of her career from the independence and her run in WWE. And what I've seen of her is that she has the same issue that I have with Candice LeRae. She's very good in intergender matches. She can do that very well. But just as a wrestler overall, I've really never seen anything impressive by her. I've never really seen Mm. it with Ruby Soho. Mm. I, I get her appeal. I mm-hmm. understand she has popularity, but when the bell rings, quite frankly, I've just never seen it. 
Yeah, and... I'm not saying she should be like a main eventer, but just like some of the people that are in their mid card, I'm like, why does Ruby Soho not have this spot? You know? And, and me, it's just like, yeah, Ruby Soho. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I just think she should have a better spot. Um, you know, I think she could she could help other people. You know, she could uh, draw up interest. Like, uh, I don't know. I, I think she her booking should be should be stronger, and she just should get booked. <laughs> and that would that would be a great start. I think. Um, but yeah, Fair I think enough. next next week uh, or or next time we do this, I should pick uh, a man for my stock. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we don't want that side of wrestling Twitter coming after us. Jeez. My stock down is someone that I've brought up before who I was a little bit worried about. And unfortunately, uh, my stock down has been confirmed. My stock down has come true. And that's Zack Sabre Jr. What? Wait a minute. (laughs) Wait a minute. But you stock up to Zack Sabre Jr. Yes, I did. Are you saying to hold? <laughs> Not to I, buy I'm, or sell, but hold? I'm saying that it went up and then went down really quick. Oh, God. Okay. It was like a one-day turnaround. Doc, do you remember when I mentioned that Zack in New Japan Pro Wrestling was like 0-7 in championship singles matches in IWGP yes. sanctioned matches? And I was starting to get a little bit worried about him falling into that category of, quote, not winning the big one, unquote, Uh, kind of hovering in that Hiroki Goto territory. It was an excellent match against Okada. I absolutely loved the match itself. But Zack Sabre Jr. lost again. Mm -hmm. He lost another championship match. And now he's 0-8 in singles championship matches in New Japan. That's a problem. That's not good. And I I feel like New Japan likes him, but it's pretty clear that they have a ceiling for him, and I don't like that. Uh, They didn't have a ceiling for other foreign talents, and I, I don't like that because no U.S. title, not even the Never title, Uh, He can't even go over to Strong and do anything. Uh, The United States title, uh, obviously not the heavyweight title. They can't have Zack in a position like that for anything. And uh, it makes me feel like they see him as he at a certain level, and he's not going to go above that. And I don't know. I I don't care for that. And it, it makes me feel like even though he moved to Japan, he's probably still not completely accepted by them. And mm. I, I don't love that. I don't love it. Well, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Not accepted seems, seems a little strong um, to me. Like, I, I feel like, I mean, and he, uh, like, it knows the language. And everything, and like you said, he moved to Japan, stayed there through the pandemic uh, when he could have could have left or whatever. Um, moved his life 
Tokyo so he could uh, devote it to New Japan and that could be his main promotion. And if you think about it, if British wrestling were in a better place right now, aside from Will Ospreay, wouldn't Zack Sabre Jr. pretty much be the top of it? Yes, those two are 1 and 1A without question. And they were even when the scene was hot. But in New Japan, he's he has Suzuki-gun and his team with Taichi and that's going f- and that's going well, mm-hmm. but for as talented as Zack Sabre Jr. is, it just seems like they don't want to give him the ball. Yeah, I mean, it's true. I, this particular match, and I, I mean, it's going to go on his record. He's going to be 0-8. But you got to figure with, with this one, if you knew he was a sort of replacement for Abushi. You know, unless you thought Abushi was winning it, you just knew he wasn't going to win it. And yeah, I mean, I, I hear where you're coming from. I guess, like, for me, I talked about the second level of guys who were next man up. And it's okay. It's okay for me to be at that second level. Like, um, people are. I think Sonata's in a similar spot. Like people are annoyed that he hasn't won it when he fa- remember the year, I guess it was it 2019 where he faced Okada four times. Mm. It was zero and four. And one of those matches got to, I think Tokyo sports bout of the year. Um, and people were starting to be like, Oh, Sonata. You know, well, I think people just don't like Sonata, but even Sonata fans were like, oh, I'll never win the big one. What are they doing with this guy? Like they're going to de- sort of delegitimize him as a title contender. Um, and you certainly run that risk, but a couple of, th- I think, you know, Gato's long-term vision, you know, he, he books things out in years. So I don't know, maybe Zach's time will come. Maybe they just don't see him as that top guy, but, but we do. Um, I don't know. I I do. Do you think that? Do you see him at the same level? Uh, not just in ring, but like star appeal in Japan, as you know, Okada, Naito, Tanahashi, Ibushi, or do you think he's just a shade below that? Because I think he's a little bit below that. He's a shade below. But that doesn't mean I still wouldn't give him the ball to give it a shot. Hmm. Yeah. I would still give him a chance to take the ball and run with it. Because he can have stellar matches and stellar feuds with all of those guys. Every time he's been in the ring with them, he's brought his A game. So uh, hmm. I think that he he really doesn't take a step back to anybody. And I I would say... It, the United States title is going to be open. Why not Zack Sabre Jr.? Hmm, Just see if he right. can do it. It's going to be Tanahashi, isn't it? Is he wrestling? Most Oscar likely. Yeah, Most likely. Most likely. But, you know, I just feel like at this point, if you're not going to do anything with Zack, then just... Don't put him in any marquee singles matches anymore. Just oh, make but him then a tab we won't guy. get the matches. Maybe he's a guy. I don't really know because I haven't 
read a ton of interviews by him. I don't know if he's a prolific interviewer or not. He strikes me as someone who's not because people were actually mad at him when he didn't, when he just didn't say anything during speaking out. Um, so I don't know if he just doesn't talk to the media very much. Maybe he doesn't really care uh, about, you know, having top titles as long as he's booked strong and gets to have matches with the top guys. Maybe that's all he cares about. And so he's happy. Um, but I don't know. It's so, it's so hard, man, because, um, I just, I like the long-term, it doesn't fit with any of the long-term stories that they're doing right now. But at the same time, I mean, I can't, that's the problem though. That's the problem. He's there. Yeah. I think he's there. That's my problem though, doc, is that new Japan isn't putting him in any of the big storylines. And I don't really understand why not. I feel like he should be there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can't argue with you. You know, I mean, I don't know if he has the star quality of Kenny Omega, you know, the last foreigner to set. Well, I guess Will Ospreay has another. Um, I don't think he's quite there. But but yeah, they could put him in. Maybe, I don't know, maybe it's his uh, body. Maybe they don't, maybe they're like, okay, you can work heavyweight, but maybe his body's a barrier uh, mm. for believability. Uh, you know, maybe um, it's because he's in Suzuki-gun or, or like is uh, not the leader of his own faction. Although that didn't stop them with Okada at the time. So no. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I guess they just don't think he's, uh, I guess they think uh, he's like a four star, not a five star or whatever to them. He's just not quite there to, to the head office, which is a shame. Um, I would say he's four and three quarters personally. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. To- oh, I'm, I'm right there with you. Uh, this is why, like, I really, really wish the intercontinental title was there. He'd be perfect for that. I would love him to lock that title down for, I don't know, a nine months, a year, and just run off like quality singles matches, maybe main events, some of the your Dontakus, your power struggles, their matches against Naito or uh, or Ibushi or you know the the up and comers eventually. That'd be great, but you know, uh, I don't even you know, it's funny. <laughs> Maybe this won't surprise you too much because I had been I had fallen out of love with New Japan for so long. I actually don't know who the never open weight champion is right now. Is it Ishii? That's a good question. <laughs> I don't know who the never champion. That's a really good question. And that's it was supposed to be the new Intercontinental title. But right. it got stuck in America with Jay White for so long. Oh boy. I just realized why we don't know who it is. Okay. Because I just looked it up. Who? who is the it? current never open weight champion is your boy, Evil. Oh, right. Oh, God. I watched Hyper Battle and I. And that, he had a match for the never title on that show and I couldn't remember. Uh, see? See, this is what House of Torture is doing. And and I'm going to talk about more Ghetto slash Dick Togo shenanigans later in the show. Okay, all right. All right. 
Um, honestly, Doc, I don't have a futures pick this episode. There is one person in the Stanford Supermax that kind of has my eye, but I'm not ready to to say anything about that person yet. So right now on on the on the futures, I'm gonna pass. Yeah, I mean, I could do like a like I don't know the safest pick ever and be like Tony Storm because she's free. And uh, she's now going to get to do good wrestling. But I feel like that's sort of against this. Like, this is not a unknown prospect or anything. Uh, but I, ex- I expect her to be um, to be awesome. Uh, but yeah, we'll we'll try to have a, a more obscure pick next time for futures. All right. So now that we've got the stocks out of the way, Let's jump in and talk about something that you and I have been hoping and wishing for for a few years, uh, since at the very least since AEW was announced, and now it is finally happening. New Japan Pro Wrestling President Takao Obori appeared on AEW Dynamite with Tony Khan and the official AEW New Japan Super Show has been announced. It will be at the United Center in Chicago, and it will be entitled, What Else? Forbidden Door. It's happening, Doc. Is Tanahashi getting royalties? (laughs) He damn well better. Show some respect to the ace. Yes. Pay him. Pay the man. So it's happening. It's finally happening. Uh, we we did an episode of our Forbidden Door Dream Match cards, and now it's looking like it's something that might actually happen. It could really, really happen. It's it's surreal, man. It, it's surreal. I am I am thrilled. I uh, this 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 has the potential to be what. The ROH New Japan Supercard from MSG could have been not that say that show was bad, but like if it was the best version of itself, right? If the uh, if the elite were there, you know, and, and it, this, it, this has the potential to be that, and it will certainly have potential to be better than the Noah New Japan show from January eighth. Oh, sweet Jesus! T- Tony Khan is so much smarter. He, I think, will understand that. A card full of multi-mans is not the way to go. I, he wouldn't want to book that. He wouldn't want to see it. Um, I think he's going to want to do meaningful singles matches. Um, I think AEW has all the clout this time. They have the power. Uh, they are doing New Japan a favor because, you know, if you look at the way Strong is performing, it's performing, you know, admirably. You know, they're they can put like a thousand people in the odium in Chicago. But I, I don't you know, you remember when like I don't know, four or five years ago they got the record for attendance at the Cow Palace in San Fran. They put yeah. like over six thousand people there. No yeah. way in hell they could do that today, I don't think. Mm-mm. With the with uh AEW existing and kind of the the landscape of the fandom in North America right now. Um couldn't do it. So I think AEW is is in the power seat and they will have uh kind of uh the the booking clout and so I think they will we will get the singles matches, the interesting tag matches. Um we will get title matches. 
Um, so, so I am, I am really excited. Has anything been announced for like, in terms of, uh, matches or guys that'll be on the show? Cause, um, I'm actually not quite caught up on AW programming. The last Nothing thing yet. I watched Nothing was yet. the, okay. The last thing I watched was Cole Page, uh, Texas Death. So okay. I'm a little behind. Uh, this was just announced on the most recent episode of Dynamite. So, uh, this is still fairly fresh. I was just looking, and June 26th is on a Sunday, Doc. Now, it's June 26th. It's in Chicago. I just got back from a trip to Chicago for Star Trek Mission Chicago. I'm thinking, do, do I want to? Do I want to go to Forbidden Door? Do I want to do it? I think you do, especially. I mean, if they announce like a, a, I don't know, uh, Brian Danielson versus Kazuchika Okada main event, I think you have to go. Or Brian Danielson, Zack Saber Jr. Mm. Totally. Yes. Yes. That would be the match that would sell me: Brian Danielson versus Zack Saber Jr. They'd be... Or Pac versus Toru Yano. <laughs> Doc, you're Please just going to have to accept Please that Yano that is going to be on this show. Yano oh, will be course. there. Yes, versus Orange Cassidy. Do uh, it. I mean, don't put... A... Don't dust off Pac for this. <laughs> don't... But his match with Orange Cassidy was so good. So obviously he could, he could have a good match with Yano. I mean, in concept, it is very funny, but I just feel bad for Pac. <laughs> I, I want so badly for him to do something interesting. Uh, that um, that would be interesting. I don't, uh, I don't find <laughs> I don't find the, uh, the the feud with the the spooky people very interesting. No, um, no. So, yeah, I think I think Zach versus Danielson could be amazing. I do think they're going to book Okada on top. And the the question for me is, will it be Okada v. Danielson or Okada v. Punk? I think it's going to be Punk. Okay. You don't think they're going to do the Kenta-Punk battle of go-to-sleeps? Yeah. Maybe that's yeah. a dynamite match. That That definitely feels like a dynamite match. And I think it would be pretty cool if, if Kenta were to go over. Uh, but... Enough about AEW being predictable. This is... <laughs> this is exciting, though. This is exciting. Yeah. And it is in Chicago. And I just got back from a road trip in Chicago. But it's on a Sunday. That's where it, That's where it's tough. If it were on a Saturday, I'd say, ooh, okay, now we're talking. But it's on yeah. a Sunday. AEW, go back to Saturday pay-per-views. For the love yes, of God. Please. That was great. That was a fantastic thing that you did at first. And then you inexplicably changed. And I don't know why. Is there anything in particular you'd like to see on this show, Doc? Well, I don't know if I'd like to see, but like I feel like they are teasing Bullet Club versus Elite. Mm. And more Bullet Club drama. And I think... You got to do something like that. I feel like people want to see that. Um, 
I mean, I certainly want to see Danielson in a match against a super worker uh, like Zach. I, I'd really love to see. Um, we're going to talk about this match later. I'd love to see Moxley versus Osprey too. Honestly, the mm. first one was fucking awesome and they work great together. Uh, I love to see, you know, I feel like with Moxley, he's at such a level. He's sort of at the Jericho level for me now where it doesn't really matter if he loses. It's not going to hurt his credibility one single ounce. So I feel like you could give New Japan a win here and let, uh, you know, make Osprey put his title on the line and then give Osprey the win back since he lost to Moxley in Chicago. Um, that would be that'd be great. You know, if they if they even get like just sort of get up close to the line that the, the bar that they said Chicago would be great. Uh, and it's in the same town. So maybe, you know, you could hook a lot of the same fans to come back in for more of that if they were if they liked what they saw uh, a week or two ago. Um, others, I don't want evil on the card at all, though. I feel he probably will be. I just thought of something. Okay. Do you remember when Hiroshi Tanahashi talked about Hangman Page? Of course, yes. Oh. <laughs> There's a tag team match there uh-huh. with the Ace and the Hangman going up against the House of Torture. Pure good versus pure evil. Pure baby faces versus the most dastardly heels. So evil plus show, mm, whoever. Okay, I mean that sounded that's sort of it. Like it's, it can't be Yujiro. Yujiro cannot be booked on the show. Tony <laughs> Khan has to veto. That. Somebody's got to take the pin. <laughs> show can show can eat the pin. He's a junior. He'll be fine. <laughs> he can, he Wait, can eat no, we we gotta we gotta have Yujiro because then Mal can get on the show. I'm I'm sorry, everybody. I apologize for that. That was inappropriate. <laughs> you just want to say Peter. Uh, I the, regret the nothing. Bunny mask. <laughs> I regret nothing. Um. Yeah, I feel like some they can play with that with Tamahashi talking about Hangman, especially now that he's at least for right now still the world champion. There's something there. Mm-hmm. There's something. So, there. so this is an interesting. This is an interesting thing you brought up. While he's still the world champion, so double or nothing is going to happen a month before. CM Punk has been giving us a discount double check for all of 2022. Mm-hmm. He wants a title shot. You feel like he's going to get it at double or nothing. Do you think that? Okada emerges from Dontaku and Dominion with the IWGP title. And CM Punk wins a W title at Double or Nothing, and we get a champion versus champion. Mm, I don't think so. That's a little too that's a little too eighties territory shenanigans where it would be like Ric Flair versus Nick Bockwinkle, the NWA title and the AWA title, and then there'd be some kind of dusty finish or a 60-minute draw or <laughs> 60 something. 60-minute draw, baby. Yeah, I, I think That's that... I don't think anybody really wants to see that with either of those two. 
I feel like there will only be one title on the line, and I'm pretty sure it will be the IWGP. So I see Hangman beating Punk. I see that. And I I feel like there's something you can do with Hangman on this show. Obviously, he's the AEW world champion. There would be somebody, of course, duh, Minoru Suzuki. Yes, yes. Uh, we enjoy the Minoru Suzuki on a Hangman versus Minoru world title. Yeah. Oh, that could be a lot of fun. That could yeah. be super fun. Um, Th- that sure. works. Yes, yes. Um, we know Minoru can play the he- the heel and really, really beat on a guy. If I were New Japan, something I would ask for is you know I'd be like okay. Uh, you're gonna you're gonna beat my top guys, uh, you know, in singles matches. But can we get some? Can we get a uh, opener or a low card, like second or third from the top, multi man, where uh, three or four of my United Empire guys beat three or four of your guys? Yeah, uh, sure. Because no I feel problem. like they have looked they have yeah. looked really strong lately, um, and just really imposing as a unit now that they I think that Chicago show was the first time I've seen them all in the same room. So Osprey, <laughs> Great O'Conn, and Jeff Cobb beating I would even say beating the Elite. Okay, you could go Elite, you could go or Death Triangle, you could Adam go, Cole and Red um, Dragon. Well they they'll be in the Elite versus Bullet Club shenanigans. Yeah. yeah. Um I would say not. You wouldn't go. Elite. Maybe you could go Malachi Black and Company. Yeah, yeah. Um, although I mean they're being pushed very strong, so maybe you go Death Triangle there. Um, either way, you'd get a great match. Um, and even you know, I would say this. You may view this as controversial. I would say remove Cobb from the equation. You have Ocon. Mm-hmm. You have Osprey. Make mm-hmm. it an eight man and have Aussie open. Okay. All right. Okay. Have Aussie Open versus Lucha Brothers action. Uh, you know, Death Triangle plus one more. Or hell, de- have, have Alex Alvarantes take part in Death tri- Death Triangle and Darby Allen. Oh, God, Darby Allen. I forgot. God, this, there's just such a loaded roster with AEW mm-hmm. and ROH like together. You have so many people. You got your Samoa Joes, your Darby Allens. Jaylee, how do we God, how do we fit everybody on this show? It's gonna be a challenge, man. Uh it's it's gonna be the elite. The the all elite, for sure. It's and it's something to look forward to. It really, really is. And do I do I wanna do it? I don't know. Stay tuned, everybody. <laughs> I'll let you know. I'll let you know. So next, uh, Doc, this one was from you on the Doc. So uh, tell me about this one, uh, AEW Debutant. Mm, okay. Well, I just wanted to ask you, like, who, you know, s- since we last recorded, there's been a ton of new faces in AEW. And I want to know, you know, who you have enjoyed the most, whose debut has really uh resonated with you and guys thinking like yeah like 
hell yeah. Like I'm, I'm into this. They really, for me, I'll take the lowest hanging fruit here and I'll take Samoa Joe. <laughs> well, that's, yeah. Let me tell you. That well, was a, si- a f- since you picked excellent. Samoa Joe, I will pick someone else. Um, can I say Red Dragon? Well, sure. You could say Red Dragon. They've been on the show for a while, but you could yeah, say Yeah, they have. Have. You, have you liked their debut? Um, I I did. I'm a little iffy on it. They they've they've done nothing but have good matches. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly are getting to show their personalities again, and I feel like every time they're on, they they hit. And but, if I can't pick Red Dragon, can I ask you uh, a Red Dragon question? Sure. I they've had good matches. Mm-hmm. Have they had great matches? I wouldn't say I great, but they've always been solid. They've always they been to... they are consistently good. Mm-hmm. They they very rarely have anything less than a good match. I agree. I agree. Could I think they they could do better. I think not that I'm like saying they're doing poorly or anything, but the, they I don't think that they've hit their height yet. No, I think there's no. still more to see from them. And and I, I'm saying that I agree with you on that one, and I think it will come. I do believe that it will come, whether it's in AEW or ROH. We'll see. Uh, I believe mm-hmm. that will happen. Um, Let me think of someone else, then. I think just by default, it would have to be Keith Lee. Oh, oh this is so good. <laughs> I feel like Keith Lee is just taken his time in AEW and making the best made the best of it and everyone's happy he's there and he seems happy to be there and he he's rolling he's he's had a really good match on dynamite in, in the tag with swerve against team taz that was a banger that was uh, so and, good yeah that was just like right here in this ring is the future of this company in the short term and the long term if you want it to be. And listeners, haven't I been telling you about Ricky Starks? I've been telling you about Ricky Starks. It's gonna happen. It's happening. I got a hot take for you, though. Go. I think Hobbs might might have pulled ahead of Ricky. Really? You think so? I... Maybe this is just my bias, right? Because I love some some Will Hobbs. Oh, but he's great. Like he's great. L- lately, he just seems like just such a goddamn cool guy. Yeah, <laughs> like such a he. He's working great. His his aura is just like spot on. Um. So yeah, I mean, he he's not at the level on the mic that that Ricky is, but he doesn't, he doesn't need to be, I don't know. Like I have just been in love with, with what he's been doing lately. And I would take nothing away from Will Hobbs. Nothing. I think he's awesome. I think he's every bit the powerhouse. They call him. I love watching the guy, especially when he's in there with other heavyweights. He's awesome. He's awesome. Uh, I would say, like, again, I, I'm the leader of the Ricky Starks hype train, but, yeah, taking nothing away from Will Hobbs, like, yes, please, sure, absolutely. 
but yeah, that that match you're talking about, inc- really great. I mean, like it was really stark for me, uh, <laughs> no pun intended, to see how over Keith Lee was because the way they did the entrances, right? Like Swerve comes out, people are into the Swerve, people like the Swerve. You're getting the cheers. He's strutting down to the ring, oozing confidence. And then Keith Lee's music hits. And it is just an order of magnitude more hype and pop from the crowd. Like, they love that man. And it was with good reason. Uh, I was kind of worried about his promo style when he first I wasn't. Debuted. Not in the least. And this is... Not okay. in the least. And so I should have I should have followed your lead there because I, I think he's settled into a really cool character that people enjoy. And you know, if you think he's a little corny, I mean it's just part of the shtick and it's charming. Um I, I really dig it. Um so I like his whole presentation. I everything about Keith Lee right now is clicking for me. So I, I that's think a really every, great pick. Keith Lee is clicking for a lot of people. And it's it's totally fine. That's totally fine. I feel like that whole tag match was just you saw four stars on their way up. Absolutely. We just gotta hope that they don't hit a, a certain ceiling that has been right in the wrestling business for as long as there's been a wrestling business. Indeed. So yeah, I will say Keith Lee. Keith Lee. Okay, great pick. Um, like I said, I picked Joe just because it was so cool to see Samoa Joe again. Like, I haven't did, watched... Did you see Supercard of Honor? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that, that was that. So that was when... That was the one for me. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I'm including that as sort of like the AW. Okay. Like, yeah, all yeah, of yeah. that. And this is up to the Suzuki. Like, it's just been so... The Suzuki so match. It was so good. Yes. I loved him versus Murder Grandpa. And look, I, if there are people out there saying, and well, I should amend that because there are people out there saying they are tired of the Suzuki match, right? That he gives on American soil when he comes to non-New Japan companies or non-NOAA companies or whatever. Sure. Okay. You know, you, you, you've seen it all before. I get it still entertains the hell out of me. I still love it to pieces. And like to see him bring the fire out of Joe was so awesome. Yes. And uh man, I'm just happy Joe's like being being Samoa Joe out there again and you know, it was it, him his NXT run was a black hole to me, you know, cuz I didn't watch it, I didn't watch anything of him in the Fed. But uh you know, I've I've seen a bunch of ROH tapes seen a bunch of TNA tapes uh, of him being incredible uh, versus Angle versus Punk. And did you ever watch the match with Kenta Kobashi? No, <gasps> but I know of it. I know of it, but I've never, I haven't seen it. Oh, <laughs> that's going in our DMS as okay, soon as we're it. done. As soon okay. as we're done. Cool. Excellent. Excellent. I look forward to it, but, but I mean, it's, you know, you wonder, right? Or at least I did. Could, would he have not something to offer, but like, could he credibly be 
Like, could he summon the Samoa Joe aura and and in ring? Um, and I think he's just passed the test with flying colors. It's been, it's been maybe it's just so the the diehard Ring of Honor fan in me, but Samoa Joe is just in such anointed territory that I just have complete unwavering faith in him. And when he showed up at Supercard of Honor, my mindset was like, of course. Of course Joe's here, and of course he's going to kill it. He showed up on Dynamite. Of course he's there. Of course he killed it. Of course he had a banger match with Minoru Suzuki. Of course he did. It's Samoa Joe. Like he, he had older than Tanahashi? I think there. Joe is about a couple of years younger. Him and Punk are mm. pretty close in age. So as I looked at Samoa Joe is 43 years old. Mm-hmm. Is Tana... Tana's like, him and John Cena are about the same age, so they're probably both 45. Gotcha. As is AJ Styles. Really? Yeah. That's that's hard to believe. That makes me feel (laughs) right. He's a young buck. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah, even AJ's done some interviews lately, like, yeah, I'm, I'm getting older, guys. I'm getting older. Don't know how many springboard 450s i've got left in the tank it's like yeah 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 he's hit um, the, the Sami Zayn level of just just collected a paycheck he's earned it he's earned it i agree, Th- I agree. this is I his pension he's yes. this is his pension yeah yeah i mean that's i it's it's what everybody said when he left and granted like you know i think his first few years in wwe he has done some stuff that people really liked, but uh, I think everybody was sort of just like, well, he's made his art already. Now it's time to let him make his money. <laughs> and, and he he's making it, and he's had some really high peaks in WWE, and cheers to AJ Styles, and cheers to Sami Zayn as well. What else have we got for AEW? I think we pretty much covered it. Um, well, Thunder Rose is the something... whip. Thunder Rose is the women's world champion. I'm happy about that. Thunder Rose is Uh the women's world champion. I'm happy. That made me happy. Okay. It it, will listen. Yes, that did happen. That was fantastic. Um, You know, I I know that there are people who are disappointed in that match, and I don't know if it lived up to the lights out um, from the year prior, but it was still a really great match. I watched it a couple times, and uh, yeah, it was good. It was good stuff, and she's the champ, and She's an interesting. She had a great match with Nyla Rose defending the title. Okay, so yeah, I haven't seen Battle of the Belts yet. I look forward that to that. That was really good. That was really I hope good. Nyla does well because she's someone I've really like I was a little bit indifferent toward her stuff uh at the outset of the company, but I've I've grown to like her a whole bunch. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping she does well. Um All <laughs> there's right. a thing in the doc. We don't have to talk about it if you if you want to skip it. Oh no. Well, what you got? What you got? I'm not let let me refresh. Let me refresh. Okay. It's a it's a sub point to okay. the Forbidden Door show because right. and, and we oh, right yeah. along over this because and I thought it was, you know, DJM just doesn't want to get too riled up. But I want to <laughs> get riled up. Okay. Okay. Um reactions to peop to to the announcement of this Forbidden Door show. 
by wrestling Twitter and its denizens were, um, I think, very predictable because you had people coming out of the woodwork saying, well, this is really great for the men who are already watching, for the marks, for people who already care about the Japanese wrestling. But how is it going to do anything for the casual fan? AEW's not growing. Why aren't they doing anything to bring in the casual fans? So they can be bigger uh, than they were last year and the year before. What What's happening here? And I have a lot to say about all of this, but I kind of want to let you lead first because... This has been uh, like a bugbear of yours for a long time, I think. All right, Doc. The thing that AEW does very well is that it satisfies its audience. It makes its audience happy for the most part. And when you have a show that people are generally happy watching, what they will do they will spread the word. They will try and convert people. They will reach out to the so-called lapsed fans and tell them, hey, AEW's pretty cool. It's got a little bit of the Attitude Era energy. It's got a little bit of kind of a chaotic Monday Nitro feel on Dynamite. It's got a little bit of some ECW violence. And it's got some... Indie style and Japanese style and, and all of these mishmash things that the sports entertainers don't do. And it's awesome. So you might want to check that out. But at the end of the day, there are a, a lot of people out there that only see things through the prism of how WWE does things. Fuck those people. Because professional wrestling is a genre that can be done in more than one way. AEW is proving that. They are maintaining a consistent audience that is showing steady growth since its inception. Yes. Everything they're doing is getting well-reviewed by wrestling fans for the most part. Wrestling fans that watch AEW really, really like it by and large. And that's how you grow your audience. You make people realize professional wrestling is fun. It doesn't have to be all branding and marketing and corporate and synthesized. It can be fun and exciting and kind of wild and unpredictable. And I think at its core, that's kind of what people want from professional wrestling. They kind of want it to be a little unhinged. And AEW is doing that. Furthermore, the idea that it will not, Forbidden Door specifically, will not breach out to other audiences, that's wrong because... Who was one of the more recent popular superstars in WWE? Shinsuke Nakamura, who has maintained a consistent level of popularity, regardless of his win-loss record, 
since he got there. He is a popular guy within their universe. People that might watch him and are into him are going to realize, oh, New Japan Pro Wrestling. That's where Shinsuke Nakamura used to wrestle. So I guess if I look at New Japan Pro Wrestling, oh, hey, AEW's doing a show with them. Maybe I'll check that out. What a concept. It's almost as if putting on good wrestling will get people to watch. Shocking. Shocking. Everything you're saying. You fucking dorks. I mean, Eric Bischoff would disagree with you. <laughs> Eric he has Bischoff a, is, he, that has man nearly has pro wrestling has killed show. not just one but two companies. <laughs> no, and he, and he has a pro wrestling business podcast, which is like amazing to me. But like, uh, so much to say about all this. So, first thing is, I, I really think that like, not everyone. Right. There are some people saying these things that don't have an agenda. Right. That uh, have been WWE fans for a long time or maybe they're they watch everything. And this is just kind of the view they've taken. Set them aside. But I think a lot of people that are saying casual fan that are saying AW is not growing, that are saying booking super shows is a mistake. They. uh, Either. Like understand that. Their website makes money from WWE hardcores. Uh, two are sycophants of Vince McMahon, uh, and three want to get rehired by him at some point. Uh, I think that that's a lot of where it's coming from. But for the people that are that don't fall into those groups. I think the growth question is like a simple factual question to answer. That's a like go pay Brandon Thurston $5 or hell just follow his Twitter. Look at the numbers. The numbers are publicly available. They're at the observer. If you subscribe to the observer, like he publishes them every week. So you could check Thurston if you wanted to like the year over year growth, except for this past December for AW has been huge. Uh, Bare bit like at least 20%, at most like 40% in overall viewers. I think one month, recent month, either March or April so far of this year, they're up 80% in the 18 to, to 49 in the key demo, right? Um, compare that to Raw, compare that to SmackDown, compare that to NXT. And I mean, there's only one wrestling television show that's growing. Uh, and it's dynamite year over year. The rest, even Rampage, are, are you know shrinking. Um, but the Forbidden Door specifically, like this, is a bad move. Um, yeah, I agree. I think that's wrongheaded too. I think you know we talk about all the time that like we've talked about this very podcast that like New Japan in America is not what it once was because. People that were watching New Japan are now watching AEW. So you do have a section of hardcore AEW fans that already know who Kazuchika Okada is, who Zack Sabre Jr. is, who Kota Ibushi and Tanahashi and Tetsuya Naito are, and they're going to be interested to see these guys face the AEW guys that they care about. You have 
your hardcore New Japan set that didn't come over to AEW that maybe tried it and they're like, eh, you know, this isn't my bag. Like I wanted to see where Kenny and them went, but I'll stick with New Japan. They'll see their people wrestling AEW people. And for sort of the more kind of quote unquote casual viewers of Dynamite, uh, there's it's almost two months until that show. Do we not think Tony Khan is going to run any angles? Of course, they're not just going to go into the show cold. Tony Khan's a smart man and with a very few exceptions. I think everything that he's wanted to make a big deal has been presented as a big deal. This is going to be a big deal. There will be stories, angles, and promotions that will happen so that everyone on the card, people are going to know who they are and what they're about. And he's going to drum up excitement for this. And I echo your point so hardly. I've I've given this example on the show. Uh, Me getting into soccer uh, had nothing to do with other soccer fans talking about it or anything. It was that I tuned in to the European Championships one summer day because I didn't really have anything to do. And everyone was so passionate and so into it. And all the fans looked like they were having not just a good time, but like this was life and death to them. Like this was such a big deal. And like when you have that kind of energy, it's infectious. And like you said, like the AW fans, like those, some of those crowds are just incredibly energetic, passionate. Uh, Just the enthusiasm is like is palpable and, and you feel that and you get it. So putting on a good show, like you said, is going to help bring people in. The last point I want to make about this is more of a philosophical one. Uh, and I will say, like, who is the casual fan? Because these all these people that talk about casual fans and bringing them in, is WWE bringing in casual fans? I don't think so. I think if you look at their metrics, you know, their consumer metrics, you know, they're being paid a lot of money for their television rights, but their consumer metrics are trending down. People are running away from NXT and from Raw and from SmackDown. Um especially young people. Uh, so they're not, they're not bringing in casual fans. So who who is it? What is Are you talking about laps wrestling fans? Are you talking about people that don't watch wrestling, new fans? Who are you talking about? And then if if uh, you we can agree on who you're talking about, how do you target them? No one knows. Like, what what is it to target a casual fan? These people have never given a definition. There's no criteria which we can objectively say, okay, this wrestling promotion is catering to casual fans or is not. It's it's totally this squishy, subjective thing that at any time anyone doesn't like what they're doing, what AEW or any promotion is doing, it doesn't appeal to them, then they can say it doesn't appeal to casual fans. When I think of the term casual fan, I think this person does not watch wrestling. That that's really it. So How new do you fans. someone who just does not like wrestling? Maybe they've watched it before and it wasn't really for them or they've never watched it before and they're just stumbling upon it. How do you get those people to watch wrestling? No promotion has mastered that. 
not even WWE. But so many people are endlessly chasing the Attitude Era, and we're we're never going to find that. We're never going to find it. That was once in a century, and you can't replicate that. But what you can do is build an audience of enthusiastic people who like what you're doing. And if you build that, that will make you money. And those enthusiastic fans will spread the word and will do your marketing for you. Absolutely. 100%. It's a phenomenon we've seen in other media uh, plenty of times. And I mean, I just think, again... I don't know what the definition that like Eric Bischoff or Jim Cornette or uh, Corderas or uh, Zarian are operating with when they're talking about casual fans. Geary. Uh, but like people who don't like wrestling. That's it. What? Oh, but, but I don't know if that's what they're that's that's what what the one that you've laid out. But I don't know what they're saying. And then like. I don't know. Uh, how How do we like. I've lost my train of thought. This is such a, <laughs> such a trying to get into their, their headspace is just such an annoying exercise for me. Though. Because it's bad faith. It's my favorite term. It's bad faith bullshit. And it's just people who do not like that. There is another wrestling company that is thriving where they have failed. Okay. So that is an interesting actually, because it, it, uh, until you said that last clause, I was like, well, why do they care so much about WWE succeeding? But it's not that it's because someone else is succeeding where they failed because they tried to do something else. Or so, so I think that that's another thing to add to the list is that kind of direct jealousy. And, and then I really do think for a lot of people, the, the McMahon sycophantry is real, and they want to get hired by the, that guy again. They so want to get hired. One guy in particular, I don't even want to say his name. He's so transparent about it. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. I think we've said our piece on this, and I think our audience it probably were preaching to the choir here. But but yeah, um, I, I bad faith bullshit, I think, and... It's something that I think people should worry about a lot less uh, because chasing it, um, I think, is it never works. It doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. The wrestling doesn't have to be like you said, it doesn't have to be anything in particular. It can appeal to a niche. The niches can grow. Niches can grow. Look at look at anime. Look at I don't know else specifically. Look at Pokemon. I mean that that thing didn't begin as a phenomenon. It was a niche, and then it exploded. Right, right. Star Trek got canceled. But <laughs> look at it now, fifty something years later. There you go. Speaking of fifty years, let's go back to New Japan. What a transition! That's a. That is a five-star transition, if I've ever heard one. 
New Japan Pro Wrestling uh, currently in the celebration of its 50th anniversary. Uh, you wrote here in the notes, New Japan is back. Shin Nihon Pro Res. It is back in action. So tell me, Doc, uh, what, are, what has gotten you excited about the King of Sports again? Well, New Japan is back, DJM. And I've been hesitant. I've been waiting. I've been thinking for a while, long-time listeners will know, that they would be positioned very, very well when the pandemic ended. They just had to weather this storm. And a lot of interest and enthusiasm has eroded. Uh, But I think it's time to say, after the last couple months, that they're back. That's Dan... New Japan is back. (laughs) Like, so they've had, I think since, since the end of the New Japan Cup, I think they have had a ton of bangers and bangers that didn't feel, that didn't have that sort of sterile feel to them that I think a lot of the matches during the pandemic that were still really good, they still had that. Um, and in Japan, of course, there's still clap crowds, but they're letting in more and more people, um, at hyper battle, uh, that happened, uh, I think at the beginning of this month, maybe it was late March. I think it was in April, but it, it had almost 5,000 people in Ryugoku Khan. And, you know, that's, that's a lot of people. That's as, as many people that have been in, in sumo. Uh, for a long time, for a long time. And you could hear it and you could feel the energy. Um, and that whole show has been great because they the storylines are moving forward, are becoming more interesting. Even if some of them are a little messy, they're still interesting. They're doing some fun heel face turns. Pro and, wrestling can be messy. And that's yes, okay. As you said, a little unhinged. Um and they're getting people back. They are when they can operate with their full crew. I mean, you look at the crew that worked Hyper Battle, and then look at the crew that worked Windy City Riot in Chicago. Um, some of the same people worked, but there's just a ton of people, uh, and their relationship with AEW, uh, and their relationship with CMLL, their relationship with Rev Pro when people are able to go there freely again and they can run their whole Japanese roster uh, without having to rotate as many people out due to COVID. I mean, they are positioned. You're so ready for that. Chris Dickinson running the G one. aren't you? You're so ready ready for it. it. I am so ready for it. It's going to be amazing. I'm ready for that. I'm ready for Aussie open to get over there. I'm ready for Buddy Matthews to get over there. I'm ready for Brian Danielson in the G1. I'm ready for John Moxley death matches uh, in on the Cerulean Blue ring in front of the Japanese fans. Um, yeah, man. Uh, I, Are I you think ready for so the ready. king of pro wrestling? <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready for Minoru Suzuki. Uh, <sighs> always, always. Um did you see either Hyper Battle or Windy City, Ryan? N- not yet. Not yet. Okay. Um, They're on my list. Okay. I mean, 
So, well, you saw the main event for Hyper Battle. You saw Zach and yeah, Okada. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that was like the the main. That was the the main item from the show. There, I mean, the the actually the tag title match where Empire defeated Chaos, uh, Goto and Yoshihashi. That was I thought that was extremely good. I was really into that. Um, but let me just tell you, I was so su- pleasantly surprised about Windy City Riot because, you know, second from the top, DJM was uh, Ishii, uh, Tomohiro Ishii, and Minoru Suzuki. Now, I think these are a couple guys that, in my opinion, they can, I don't want to say phone it in, but they can kind of go on autopilot in definitely matches that like you can see that they feel, mm, I don't have to give a hundred percent tonight, right. maybe 80, 85, you know, um, they can do that. But because they were facing each other and it was a new Japan strong ring, um, I guess, uh, for whatever reason, they were like, let's turn back the clock. Let's give them a vintage Ishii Suzuki match. And it was great. It was not, uh, you know, playing the hits. Uh, it, they, there were wrinkles. It was a really uh, excellent, excellent match. You know, they didn't just chop each other for. I will minutes. say was, uh, that when the Japanese stars do come over, and I remember this with uh, the G1 show in Texas. When they are over here, and it is a good-sized American crowd, they do bring it, oftentimes. They do. Because I think that a lot of the Japanese performers, they really feed off of those American crowds and mm. just the level of enthusiasm and energy they have. They are there passionately to see new japan pro wrestling and i think they really feed off of that and they'll say yeah let's let's give these american fans what they came here for let's give them what they want because you got to give the people what they want you you got to give the people what they want um that chicago crowd i think it was the last wrestling show that'll take place in the odium they're turning it into like a truck depot or something like that but it was like uh, over a thousand people and they were super into it. And it was so cool to see new Japan in front of a decent crowd that could scream and chant and yell. You got the loud Kaze Ninare that, you know, if you haven't tuned into dynamite, like you, you've haven't heard in years at this point, um, people were so over uh, that they were so into Ishii uh you know in all of his uh kind of overcoming adversity spots and that match i think outstanding definitely a must watch and then the main event uh, you know i talked about it before moxley osprey totally a must watch i think <sighs> hmm i may not have seen maybe apart from like uh Brian Danielson and Hangman. I may not have seen two people work as hard and sacrifice their body to the degree that these guys did. Um, I mean, it just really felt like they cared. 
it was like they were bumping so hard on just like rail whip spots and typical kind of slams and moves. I was just like, guys, you don't have to take it this seriously. <laughs> it's not Wrestle Kingdom. Like they were, I mean, Will in particular. It I must mean, have felt like it for them. It yeah, really well, must have. Especially for the New Japan guys, because they've been performing in front of mostly silent and clapping crowds for the last two years. They must be getting something from that. I mean, you know the spot when uh, Moxley, like, uh, it's it's a vertical suplex, but instead of falling down, he just drops the guy? Mm-hmm. Like, Osprey took that and, like, did an unnecessary spin. <laughs> <laughs> like, Bill... <laughs> bill but but no it was uh moxley bled like a stuck pig there was an insane table spot um and do you know about the finish i do not okay do you want me to spoil the finish for you or not you can spoil it it's fine okay because i think it's really interesting it's one of those finishes that like the crowd that was there was not into it but it's because i think that they're all laps new japan fans you know, you can't really blame them for not keeping up with Pandemic New Japan. At least I'm not going to give them shit for it. But, so, you remember, Will Ospreay's kind of character is, he is the Commonwealth Kingpin, he is a dastardly heel, and he has a major gripe with the office because they stole his IWGP title when he was hurt. He was only hurt for a couple months and they let people like John Moxley keep the damn U S title for over a year. They stripped me, Will Ospreay. So the office has a grudge against me. They don't like me. Um, they're out to get me. So the finish is Moxley gives an incredibly high angled, um, paradigm shift death rider. I guess you'd call it since it's a new Japan ring. Will takes it right on the top of his head. Moxley pins him. Will kicks out at the absolute last second, but the ref calls for the bell as if he's won. As if Moxley's won. But it's not, not over. But because Moxley was not watching the ref and only watching Will, he sees Will kick out, thinks the match is still going, puts Will in the bulldog choke, and Will taps out immediately in front of everyone. So, Will has a gripe that he can focus on here. I kicked out. The ref uh, gave me the, the you know, the, the ref called it a, a win, and I was kicking out. But, but he will conveniently forget that immediately he would have been beaten nonetheless because he tapped out. And I just think, incredible genius booking. Uh the crowd did not love it, but I loved it. I thought it was great. Really well done. Like, you know, it's like with the amazing red finish that we watched at the end of last year. Like, Will, has, I think, has a knack for these really interesting finishes. Mm-hmm. I, I see what you're getting at there. That's, that is interesting, and it, it leaves room for a rematch. It definitely does. Although you kind of wonder, since Moxley's been calling out Tanahashi, what they're going to do there. Mm, you're right. Yeah, what do you do? Either they'll do that in Washington, D.C., or they're saving that for Chicago. It's very interesting. It's very interesting. Uh, but yeah. uh, New Japan. Uh, New Japan is back, I think, but 
there is a person who will not be riding that comeback train any longer. Uh, someone who's gotten off the New Japan Express. Um, uh, I think a favorite of ours, someone yes. that we both quite like. Uh, Juice yes. Robinson contract ended at that Windy City Riot show. That was his last New Japan Pro Wrestling show. And uh, he's he's uh, going home. He's going to be Tony Storm's husband, and he's just going to hang out at home. Well, good um, for him. New Japan... Uh, not interested in keeping him around for strong or bringing him over to Japan. Uh, despite him being a fixture in the G1, uh, winner of World Tag League, um, U.S. champion, uh, they don't have any anything to uh, in, in, for him right now. Uh, what what do you think about this? Do you do you agree? Do you think this is a a good move for all parties? Do you re- have any regrets about this? I've said for the longest time that I think Juice Robinson was the ace that New Japan needed for their Western expansion. Not John Moxley, not Will Ospreay, not not even Zack Sabre Jr., but Juice Robinson. Because Juice Robinson was the purest of pure heart baby faces. He could talk, he could wrestle. He could bump, he could sell, and he he had all of those things that you want your ace to have. It's it's the same things I see in Yuya Uemura. He had all of those fiery baby face things. And New Japan pushed him aside and they dropped the ball on him and they treated him like they treated him like a second class citizen. And I screamed and cried about it. Mm. With New Japan Strong, I felt like Juice Robinson is right there. You can't tell me he wouldn't have a good money feud with Filthy Tom. You you can't tell me him and Fred Rosser wouldn't have had a good tag team. You can't tell me Juice working with some of the the young lions at the LA Dojo wouldn't have been something. And I just sometimes New Japan they they have certain blind spots about things, and it makes me very very frustrated. And mm-hmm. I feel like Juice Robinson was a blind spot for them, and I don't blame Juice for leaving. It's it's sad. It's regretful. But I don't blame Juice for leaving at all. They dropped the ball on him. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to argue, right? Even even if I don't think that... How do I say this? I guess I don't... I, I don't you might sort of see him... His ceiling is higher than I see it. But nonetheless... I still think what they did do with him, uh, they really kind of squandered him. Um, because I think the last thing that he did that anybody could call, like thought was interesting and everything, and this is not his fault, um, was the John Moxley stuff. Uh, and how many years ago was that? Now is that twenty twenty? And I I'll say till the end of time. I will say it till the end of time. Juice should have one. Mm. 
yeah, that was a, I, yeah, that was sort of a, a, a star bullying, a non-star, not to say that Moxley did it, but like, I think Gato just looked at them and he was like, got a, got a belt on Moxley. He's a huge star. So sorry. And you could, you could have used that to make juice into a, a guy who left America, became one of your guys, came to the new Japan dojo and, and was one of your guys. And you, I'm just going to say it, you jobbed him out to the outside guy, to mm. to the bigger name. And, like, it's, mm. I think that, like that I mean, it's of frustrating. many of the recent things Ghetto has done, booking-wise, that is the one that pains me the most. Yeah. Like, at that time, I mean, if you'd asked me then, right, like around the, the Moxley match after he beat Archer, then I, I would have thought, wow, like, he's really going places. And right. his his backstage promos were unbelievable. Like, they were, you know, all, all these guys are working us, right? So to some degree, you want to try to um, sort of put them emotionally at arm's length, but like, I mean, it just felt, everything felt so from the heart. It felt like, we're just seeing this guy. This is not a character. This is just this man. And he cares so damn much about this sport and about doing it here in this promotion and these titles and these fans. And it was so, just like immediately you just loved him. You fell in love with him. And I mean, even when he was on losing streaks in the G1 and everything for a while, it was like, you could still feel his passion. But the last year, I mean, it just has felt like his heart wasn't really in it. And as you will probably say, I mean, who can blame him? Because, I mean, I don't know. He just had a lot of really uninteresting stuff to do, I think, in New Japan Strong. Uh, I was kind of tired of Finjuice. Um, even though I, I think Finjuice ran its course. Finjuice yeah, ran its course. Mm-hmm. I like both of those guys, but like it, it just got a little stale. And... I mean, they had him like feuding with Hikaleo and it just wasn't, wasn't so great. You know, Hikaleo is a little raw. Uh, they, they could have done just so much more and given him more mic time and made him more focus. And I don't know, he's always so good in front of live crowds. And maybe, maybe that was part of the problem. Is that the Japanese so fans was live crowds. You know, the Japanese fans would do the juice chance with his punches. The Japanese <laughs> yeah. fans were doing that. Yeah, and I mean, you know, I don't think I think maybe one of the criticisms you could make is that he didn't necessarily grow as an in ring performer while there. But I think I don't know. Maybe he wasn't given enough opportunity. I, th- I think when he got to wrestle big name guys in the G1. I always thought he did well and hung with them for the most part. You know, I remember matches with Abushi, uh, and he'd only get to wrestle with the likes of Abushi in the G1. It was great. I thought he did really, really well. So yeah, I mean, it's a shame. Um, he's, he clearly in that interview he did with, uh, Brian Alvarez, uh, and, and the observer right before Windy city, he just sounded despondent. He yeah. just said, like, they asked him who he, who he wanted to wrestle. Like, what was his dream match? Uh, now that uh, he's free, man. and he's like, I don't want to wrestle anyone. <laughs> I don't care. And I, I hope, 
I hope it's a it's a situation where he just needs a year or two away and to to recoup because he was working hurt for a while as well. Um, that he can get healthy, he can get his head right, he can rediscover maybe eventually his his love for wrestling. And then much like Kushida, who's coming back after a three-year absence, like when Kushida left, I think a lot of people were like, well, he's gotten kind of samey and stale. Like the title's always built around him. He's either winning or losing a title, and it's like kind of whatever. So it'll be good that he's gone. But now that he's coming back, like it's like, oh my god, Kushida's coming back to the junior division. Clean, Hell yeah, clean, this will be great. Clean slate, fresh start. So hopefully Juice can achieve that. Whether it's with New Japan, which I kind, I kind of hope it is, like because I know he cares about New Japan and it meant a lot to him. Uh, or AEW, I don't. I, I've heard that he doesn't want to work indies because he doesn't. Uh, he's got some trust issues with indies. Yeah. So it'll probably have to be a, a big promotion. Uh but I think if he makes his name available in a couple years, uh I think one of them will bite. So here's hoping. Here's hoping this is not the last we've seen of Juice Robinson. Doc, I'm not gonna let you get away without talking about this. Okay. So this story from Fightful coming up for New Japan, a golden fight. Uh, It will be for the 2022 King of Pro Wrestling Provisional Trophy on the line. As is custom, wrestlers pick their preferred stipulations. And this match will be between Taichi and Shingo Takaki. Yes. And this will be for the King of Pro Wrestling Trophy. There was a fan vote between Taichi's choice and Shingo's choice. Taichi's choice won. So this match will be a 30-count rules match, which entails, and, and, and I believe I'm getting this right, it will be a cumulative count for pinfalls for both wrestlers. <laughs> and the winner has to get to 30 cumulative, to to a count of 30 cumulatively to win the match. Do countouts add to the total? I'm not seeing anything for countouts, but I imagine it will probably count as, like, one. Oh, Oh, okay. Wait a minute. Okay, so 33 counts or just 30? Like, if they do a two count, that's two, and then another two count is four. And Yes, and it's, okay. it's the second one. It's the second one. Okay, perfect. Wow. Uh, I have to say, this rule set and certainly the two combatants in the match make me the most interested I've been in the KOPW probably ever. Yeah. Probably ever, even that like tournament that they did to crown the initial guy with Okada in it, I, I really wasn't doing anything for me. Speaking of Okada, if you <laughs> like, <laughs> we may have talked about this before, but it's just so funny to me how he's distanced himself so hard from this, and he he came up with it in the storyline. <laughs> 
It was his idea. And then he got the heavyweight title back and was like, nah, I'm yes. done. I'm done with that. <laughs> Screw this. Y'all know you can have it. Do whatever you want. Oh, so good. <laughs> it's such a weird thing. But like, I'm I'm way more into this than I was like Evil or Yano's uh, shenanigans, you know. I mean, those are fun and everything. But you could have those. Uh, you could have those without this. And as much as like i think it'll probably be almost impossible to make this thing mean anything like this is a step in that direction and i kind of think these two guys will have a good match i mean they should they're awesome this should be good right am i not seeing anything i think it'll am be I missing good. something okay i feel like this will definitely have more of a DDT slash Michinoku Pro feel to it. Hi, Dick Togo. Uh, I I think that this will probably be this will definitely be more of a dare I say sports entertaining type of match. Well, yeah, you th- this these matches have been so far, but. I hope it's not like just total bullshit. Can we please have some good wrestling in this match? I mean, it's Shingo and it's Taichi, so yes! there will be there will be good wrestling. But I imagine that there will be some shenanigans. Just we love, the, the we entire love King of Pro Wrestling title, almost since its inception, has revolved around shenanigans. I know. I'm. I guess it's silly for me to hope that that there. Are Sometimes kind New Japan has shenanigans. Uh, yeah, sometimes, yeah, yeah. sometimes Japanese wrestling has shenanigans. Okay, it, I'm glad you said this because I wanted to say this after you brought up Dick Togo, the House of Torture stuff. Yeah. Um, I have made my peace with it. it okay. Since Evil won the title and he teamed up with Dick Togo, there's you know, there have been a an, an increase, and since Dicto has gained more influence, it's been an increase in the shenanigans ratio. And initially, I was a, a missed by it, and a lot of people were. It's like, what is this? This is weird for New Japan, right? Because we weren't used to it. It's been a couple years. I think you you gotta, like, I think the best thing you can do is treat H.O.T. like they're a Dragon Gate heel faction. Okay. And you just live with it. Because if you watch Dragon Gate with the same attitude, you're going to go insane. Because, like, the heel factions in Dragon Gate, like, <laughs> every single time that they're out there, they pull... They are Yagi never not over. cheating. They are they're never running, not doing yes, bullshit. Exactly. They're running a train on a guy. Like, it, it's just silly at times. It can be like, oh my god, like, come on. But, like, it's just in the DNA of Dragon Gate. And I think... You just have to, you know, <laughs> it's like Ric Flair said once upon a time, whether you like it or you don't like it, learn to love it. Woo! <laughs> like this is it's here to stay as long as Togo is here. And so you just have to make your peace with it. It is what it is. And I think, I mean, show's getting pushed. So I, I I'm, you know, I won't say I'm good with it. You're tolerating it. But I am tolerating it. It is not throwing me into an existential tizzy uh, as it once did. It is just a thing that occurs on these shows. 
and it's not negatively affecting my enjoyment of it. It's just part of it. So you're down for Pac versus Yano then. <laughs> I think that's what I'm saying. I think you talked me into it. All right. Then on that note, <laughs> thanks everybody for listening to the Open Door Wrestling Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we are at Open Door Rest Pod on Twitter. Uh, I'll be tweeting. Doc will be tweeting. Uh, we sign our tweets. Engage with us. Uh, check us out uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Spotify, Amazon, Stitcher, Anchor FM. We're all over the place. So please, subscribe, unsubscribe, and then resubscribe, and then unsubscribe, and then resubscribe. And tell your friends to do the same. So for Doc, I'm DJM. Peace. Happy wrestling. Pac and Toru Yano. Book it. Gato, Tony, get on it. <laughs>